This is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. By far, the most talked about hire in the NFL this offseason is Sean Payton to the Denver Broncos. New head coach. What if I told you right now it might already be the most overhyped transaction of the upcoming NFL season. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're hanging out with you, presented by Progressive Insurance and HD. We got a ton of conversation happening about everything going on with Sean Payton. We got a ton of conversation going on about everything uh, happening with Mike McCarthy. And it's funny because the two might actually be related. Hear me out here. I know everybody loves to talk, frankly, about Mike McCarthy and all the shortcomings of McCarthy, right? They want to talk about everything he doesn't do well as a coach and everything he did well at Green Bay was obviously because he had uh, he had one Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback. But uh, at the same time, we don't hold Sean Payton to that same standard. And when you actually look at their win percentages, their division titles, their Super Bowls, they're wildly similar coaches. Is it possible we're blowing up Sean Payton to be something that's holding him to a completely different standard than one Mike McCarthy. Ooh, that's a great possibility, and I like the way you worded everything that you just said. Now, when I look yeah. at both of these guys, Fitz, uh, Mike McCarthy, he's he's been coaching 16 seasons, right? He's only had four losing ones, and those seasons were 2008, 17, 18, and 2020. You look at Sean Payton, he's been coaching 15 years, and he has four losing seasons as well, 2007, 14, 15, and 16. When you look at both of the guys, they both have had Hall of Fame quarterbacks and Aaron Rodgers with McCarthy when he's won a Super Bowl in 2010. But then you also look at Sean Payton in 2009 winning his Super Bowl with Drew Brees. I think we more so knew Sean Payton and Drew Brees being, you know, glued together at the hip. I don't know if necessarily that was the that was the case the entire years that Aaron Rodgers uh, or, or when Brett Favre was there with Mike McCarthy. And in saying that, you also have a little, you know, disconnect between the two coaches because you've seen Sean Payton, uh, I think it was 2006 when he became the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. It was 2005 or 2006, but 2005 was Hurricane Katrina, and you've seen him uh, ignite a city along with, you know, Drew Brees and Steve Gleason blocking that punt when they played the Falcons down there in the Superdome to the point to where he has a statue now. There's the difference between these two guys. I think also the difference is that Mike McCarthy – I don't think it's viewed as an alpha male more so than we view Sean Payton as. So when Sean Payton goes to a team, he's going to, you know, demand and command a room probably more so than Mike McCarthy is. Not saying that Mike McCarthy can't do it, but I just think that's 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 the mindset of a lot of people. I mean, there's no denying that Drew Brees got better as a quarterback under Sean Payton. I will not take that away from him. In fact, if you look at his five years in San Diego, Drew Brees completed about 62% of his passes. He had a touchdown ratio of 4.4 and had an interception ratio of 2.9. Okay, when you look at his time in New Orleans, 69% completions, 5.6 touchdown percentage, that's much higher. 2.2 interception percentage, that's much lower. I, I There was an absolute jump for Drew Brees. I'm not denying any of that. the offense was different. The right. offense was different because I was in that offense my first year in Tennessee 
with Ken Windsor Hunt, who had came from San Diego at the time where the Chargers were. So in seeing that offense and how everything is more so, you know, big end cuts, pushing the football downfield, but then watching the offense with Sean Payton and Drew Brees, it's more so dink and dunk, take your shots, throw the seam routes, get through your reads and get the ball out of your hands. There's a big difference. And efficiency is going to be more so when you're with Sean Payton because you're not taking the risk of the long throws more so uh, as you was in that, in that other offense. Well, and that's great context, Terry. And I think also injury is context. Remember, in 2003, Drew Brees got hurt. In fact, in 2004, he was the AP Comeback Player of the Year winner. And in 2006, he was having shoulder issues again. So part of the reason the Chargers moved on from Drew Brees to Phillip Rivers was because they couldn't trust his body and his health. And that's, that's a really fair conversation to have when you look back at it, but it's not like this was some huge reclamation project of a bad quarterback that suddenly went to Sean Payton and became great. So it's interesting to me at the very least because when we look at Mike McCarthy, we do know now Mike McCarthy is going to be taking back play calling duties. We know that Mike McCarthy is going to be taking more control of the offense and we also know that Jerry Jones has made it pretty clear, honestly, that part of the reason that's happening is because he believes that that will help. You know, that will help uh, that will help Dak Prescott in his development that Mike McCarthy taking over the play calling duty because he's an offensive mind will help him relate to it. If any other coach not named Mike McCarthy is taking back this play calling duty we would look at it, if it was a coach like Sean Payton we'd look yeah. at it and say oh I, I totally get it. Instead we're looking at it saying well I don't know I mean that's asking him to take out a lot it just seems like a wild double standard that I keep talking about because frankly it's the Cowboys. Well I will say this It I was in shock when Mike McCarthy got the job and you know, Kellen Moore was the guy that was handling the offense. Like, usually when you have an offensive-minded head coach and he's accustomed to calling plays and, and being in that limelight, he will have some kind of say within doing it. Now, but granted, I mean, they probably were trying to get Kellen Moore some more, you know, stock and more of a boost to let him, you know, propel and do it. And plus, Kellen Moore had, had been there with the guys, per se, for, for a period of time, whether it was playing or coaching. But I was surprised that Mike McCarthy from Jump Street wasn't involved like that. And it was so funny when we had Herm Edwards on the other day and basically saying, like, if I could potentially get fired, I'm going to potentially get fired going down swinging with me at the helm, calling the plays, me, uh, in which talking about Mike McCarthy, talking to Dak Prescott, trying to put him in the best situations possible, but also trying to make sure he thrives as a quarterback and gets better. I want to do that as a play caller myself, more so than someone else, and then we all go down because we're on that person's limb and not mine. Yeah. I respect that. A hundred percent. And Jerry Jones, by the way, was asked specifically yesterday about McCarthy taking over the play calling duties. This is what the Cowboys owner had to say. This is the logical step to build on it and use what uh, we've established, or if you will, the foundation of the ones we've got. This is a time for us to build on it, and that's what this is. This is a building step. Offensively, will it? Will you keep the same offense, or will you go back to what Mike used to run in Green Bay? Uh, it will be, I'm sure, with added nuances of the times, but more importantly, the personnel. But it will uh, be... Uh, 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 in principle, uh, the way he operated in Green Bay, which I'm sure he'll tell you evolved. I mean, when you hear that, what is, what's it, as a player, what's it make you think when you hear that, AC? Um, they're going to bring more talent in on the perimeter, and Dak is going to be throwing the football around a lot more. Now, the juggernaut piece in this is that you had Tony Pollard get, uh, get hurt. It was, a, was it a fractured leg? He fractured his leg in that game against the San Francisco 49ers. Right. 
I believe it was a fact or fraction. I'll have to look it back up. Now, what that's the juggernaut about. piece because now they're in a situation where they might not have a choice but to bring Zeke back as well because of the injury with Tony Pollard. You can still do some things with Zeke, but Tony Pollard in the past game made you more versatile as an offense, especially if you're going to try to run an offense like Mike McCarthy had in Green Bay. So here's what hit me as we talk about Mike McCarthy and how it relates to Sean Payton. Uh, I, I said earlier, if you look at their winning percentage, it's very close. If you look at their division titles, it's the exact same. If you look at the number of Super Bowls, it's the exact same. And then the argument's going to be, well, you know, Mike McCarthy did it all with Aaron Rodgers. Well, Sean Payton did it all with Drew Brees. And I think that's significant because thanks to our great crew at Stats and Info, I asked our research department to try and find me a single head coach in NFL history in NFL history, in Super Bowl history, in modern NFL history, find me any coach that went to the Super Bowl with a Hall of Fame quarterback, won it, and ended up going to the Super Bowl again with a lesser quarterback. The answer to that is it's never happened. The closest we can get to it is Dan Reeves, who went to the Super Bowl four times with John Elway, lost those Super Bowls, and then went to the Super Bowl as the coach of the Falcons. I'm very sorry, Harry. Uh, well, and, and uh, what lost, team? Uh, uh, the Falcons. But they end up losing to Denver to, to, to John Elway. They end up losing, <laughs> right. So that's Down the, in Miami. As a matter of fact, I actually went to that game as a little kid. Seen some things on South Beach as a youngster that I probably wasn't supposed to be seeing. But hey, my eyes were still wide open. Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> well, he had Chris Chandler as his quarterback for the Falcons. So he obviously went from Wasn't a Wasn't even of, Mardi Gras. <laughs> I mean, he went from a Hall of Fame quarterback to a just a, just a guy, right? Uh, if you realistically look at what we are asking Sean Payton to do, we are asking Sean Payton, who has gone to a Super Bowl with a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback, to do something that no other coach in NFL history has done, which is go to the Super Bowl again and win it. And if you're the Broncos, you didn't give up draft equity to just try and get there. You gave up draft equity and a ton of money because you think he can win the Super Bowl. It has never been done before. And in fact, the best living, breathing, current example we have of that is Bill Belichick who won a bunch of Super Bowls and hasn't gotten back since without his Hall of Fame quarterback. It doesn't necessarily mean that the coach isn't good, Harry. It just means sometimes we have to remember that there are beautiful combinations that are perfect in time of coach and quarterback together. Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes being one of those, right? Like, but they are there are beautiful combinations. That doesn't mean that that's what he has in Denver, which raises a huge, huge question. And all of the expectations we have on Sean Payton in Denver, but there is one thing he has to do in order to be successful. We'll tell you what it is next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Adam Schefter reporting that the Broncos and Saints have reached a deal on compensation for Sean Payton. They understand this has to fix Russell Wilson. They hired Sean Payton because he's really freaking good. Who needs draft picks when you've got Sean Payton? Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Adam Schefter reporting that the Broncos and Saints have reached a deal on compensation for Sean Payton. After the firing of Nathaniel Hackett, he was my number one target for the Broncos. They understand this has to fix Russell Wilson. Is this the guy that can almost push a big reset button on a quarterback's career? And I think it's the guy. They hired Sean Payton because he's really freaking good. Who needs draft pick when you've got Sean Payton? I 
I just, it, it blows my mind. What we just hear, who needs draft picks when you got Sean Payton, which is a little bit said in jest in that moment. You, you can sort of laugh about it, but then you look at the historic numbers on it. You look at the win-loss numbers. You look at the division titles. You look at the Super Bowls one. Statistically, if you were just looking on paper and didn't have any brand associated with anything, Mike McCarthy and Sean Payton are basically the same coach. Mm. So now it all comes down to... Who needs draft picks if you have Sean Payton? If Sean Payton can do one almost impossible thing, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel Lady, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz were presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry, got to get an update, by the way. Harry's in Texas getting ready for the XFL. Uh, did you slip and fall? Like, I hear it's icy down there. You live in Atlanta. <laughs> yes. uh, Texas has no no preparation for these sorts of things. You have no preparation for these sorts of things. You live in Atlanta. Like, do you have, like, little shoes with, like, ice spikes on them? What are we doing? Like, how are we I getting around? I almost slipped and fell this morning. Coming up uh, into the studio that I'm actually doing the show from today and have been doing from uh, all week. And shout out to the people who's made me feel at home here. I got my own little area. They come in and check on me from every now and then. They gave me a little key card. I can just get in and out the building. And didn't know me from an apple or orange and just welcome me with open arms. I, I, I really appreciate is, that, everyone here. Uh, but is somebody going to come help fell. you walk you to your car then afterwards? Oh, so no, that, no, 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 no. Right. I'm, 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 I'm athletic now. Sure, sure, sure. I almost slip and fell this morning, though. So I can only imagine how many other people. Plus, I am stuck in Dallas. And I need to get out of here because, see, I'm supposed to go up to, to, to New York. I'm supposed to do get up in the morning. Um, also, potentially could be doing first take in the morning. And we're supposed to be in studio together tomorrow as well. My flight is like supposed to leave at 4.44 p.m. Third. We and third. now it's pushed back to 8 p.m. So the chances of me making this flight and it leaving are Getting slimmer and slimmer by the moment. Yeah, the scary part about that is the later in the day it gets when you're in the south trying to fly out, the colder it gets and the less the airport seemed to be sort of ready for that. It's going to be a particularly cold weekend in Connecticut, though. So if you don't make it in time but you still want to come up, maybe drive to my place and be Big Spoon, I might need the warmth. I'm just saying, uh, it, I'm just throwing out the <laughs> offer just in case. You don't get out of here. <laughs> Somebody's going to be Big Spoon. <laughs> All right, fine. You can be Little Spoon. That's fine. Uh, I spoon your ass, man. Spits an area on ESPN Radio. Uh, everything that Sean Payton does right now is going to be measured by one thing. Can he save Russell Wilson? Because there isn't uh, an easy out on this contract coming up anytime. time. And Correct. you were talking earlier about different offensive systems and how part of the the next chapter that we saw from Drew Brees was being in the offensive system of Sean, system of Sean Payton, I should say. Now Sean Payton is going to have to look at everything in his sort of magic book and figure out how he can tailor it to Russ in a way that will make the most of Russ. And Russ is going to have to be willing to bend to somebody mm-hmm. that will absolutely own the room from the minute he walks into it. And that's going to be the most important thing for Sean Payton when he arrives in Denver. Him and Russ getting on the same page and understanding the ins and outs of one of uh, one another, not just one-sided, but Russ understanding Sean Payton, Sean Payton understanding Russ. What does he do well? What doesn't he do well? Russ loves to hold the football. Well, in Sean Payton's offense, that's not necessarily the case. You have to get rid of the football and be on time and everything is timing and go through your reads in a precise way. I vividly remember Drew Brees one time we played against him. I seen him look at read one, two, three. 
three and then go back to number one on a go route all the way down the sidelines versus like a cover two defense and throw a touchdown. So Russ is going to have to get to that point, but I think it's a build-up process. That's why you have now in the spring, the offseason OTAs, training camp. That open line of communication between those two guys has to always be um, um, consistent, right? And it has to happen frequently in order for those guys to get on the same page because I'd see in that offense run with the Drew Brees, who is similar in stature, well, not build-wise, but height-wise, as Russell Wilson. But can Russ be willing to not sit there and hold the football and take sacks? Not every sack that Russ endured while he was in uh, Seattle or when he was in Denver last year were the offensive line fault. Some of those sacks, a lot of those sacks, was Russell Wilson's fault because he loves to hold the football. You're not going to be able to do that uh, uh, multiple times in a Sean Payton offense. And taking care of the football is the most important thing. What happened to Sean Payton when, when Jameis went there? Hey, learn behind Drew. Learn how to take care of the football. For the most part, Jameis did a decent job of it. But Russell Wilson turned the football over frequently last year. Got to value the football. That's something big that Sean Payton is going to talk to him about and lean heavily on. Well, this is what Diana Rossini, ESPN NFL reporter, said on Get Up about the relationship between Payton and Russell and, frankly, who's in charge. This is going to be Sean Payton's team. He's going to be the one making all the decisions. Nathaniel Hackett famously said when he took the job, whatever Russell Wilson wants, Russell's going to get. Mm -hmm. Guess what? Whatever (laughs) Sean Payton wants is what Sean Payton's going to get now. And I think Russell's going to to find out pretty quickly that's how he runs it. Here's the only fine line on that, Harry. And, And I think you know this better than anybody having lived in locker rooms for years. This year, in 2023, a 35-year-old Russell Wilson would have a dead cap hit of $107 million if he wasn't with the team. He will be with the team no matter what. In 2024, a 36-year-old Russell Wilson would have a dead cap hit of $85 million. He's going to be with the team no matter what. In fact, if you look at SpotTrack.com, which does a nice job of telling you where teams can easily get out of a contract, they can't get out of this contract in a foreseeable, easy way until after the 2025 season after he's 37 years old. <laughs> so you're talking about three more full years of your screwed if it doesn't work with Russ. And that's real at this point. So well, I'll say this. If, if anybody, I think, because I'm not going to say he can't be fixed, but if anybody was to fix him, I could. Uh, I won't say I'll bet every dollar to my name on Sean Payton, but I'll put some money on it because he's going to be able to provide that stability for Russell Wilson. Also, balance on offense, multiple personnel groupings, guys going in and out, keeping a defense off balance so he just can't so the defense just can't tee on Russ and you know run exotic blitzes uh, against the offensive line and protection uh, plans and stuff like that so I think it's a good fit for Russ but also I think the most important part though Fitz is having an alpha male in there as your head coach and also your play caller that he will listen to you now Sean Payne's not just not going to be bullheaded not listen to anything Russ has to say but at the end of the day it's going to be Sean Payton's voice that Russell Wilson hears and understands that, okay, this is my coach. This is how it's going to be. I need to adapt. But there has to be some understanding that what you can't do is come in so dogmatic that you just lose Russ right out of the gate, right? Like, there is this weird element in my mind of, like, you've got to find a way to communicate with Russ in a way where his love languages are still hit because he's part of your team for the next three years. That's the weirdest part of it to me, Harry. It's like, uh, in a beautiful world, Sean Payton can just come in and say, it's my way or the highway, and you, you know, uh, it doesn't matter what well, you Well, it doesn't work like that. It, it, like, 
like in 2023 with any coach. Now you you right, have to that's understand fair. that's fair. The, the what times we're in, and that's not the way you can you know approach situations and just come into situations. But you can set the standard and you can set the tone to where the team understands where you're coming from on all cylinders. Yeah, it feels like the communication's got to be handled just right, and everything they accomplish for the next couple of years is going to be judged simply by whether or not he's able to fix whatever Russ is. Because let's be real, we thought a year ago that the signing of Russ was absolutely massive. Now we sit around and we're not sure. So obviously there's a lot of work to be done for him. In the meantime, Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility and great pay and benefits? Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Things don't work out. Russ might be doing that sooner than he thinks. In the meantime, is there no chance Lamar Jackson leaves the Ravens this offseason? We'll ask someone with much more knowledge on this situation. We'll figure it out next. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. HD's down in uh, Texas getting ready for the XFL season. And we're going to actually talk some XFL on this show. Not every show uh, will be as focused on it, but we will because Harry Douglas is going to be out on them sidelines, out getting that sideline reporting work going on. Uh, And I'll be hosting on Sundays. There'll be a digital uh, show that sort of supports some of the highlights and then sets up the big game every Sunday for us for the XFL every single weekend. So we're both going to be sort of XFL, I don't know, experts, gurus, uh, XFL golden gods. This show is going to know everything there is to know about the XFL. But I I am excited, Harry. I mean, I think when you talk about what the XFL is going to bring to everybody and the opportunity to pay attention to names we've seen, it is important. People listening might roll their eyes and think, I've seen this before. I've been here before. Well, this version of the XFL has a lot of players that fans, frankly, will know. Yeah, and particularly... Um, you look at the Vegas team and you see guys like Vic Beasley, and I know him very well because he was a first-round draft pick in Atlanta. They have Martavius Bryant, Geronimo Allison, uh, all these guys. And I was with Gmo, uh, Geronimo in Atlanta this past spring when he was with the Falcons. So you look at the big names from players who had played in the National Football League, but also that are, that has came from college and had you know significant names as well. On top of coaches that we have. Uh, head coaches from Rod Woodson to, um, you know, Heinz Ward to Reggie Barlow, Jim Haslett. You have so many guys that have been involved with the National Football League providing these guys who are trying to, you know, take another step in their lives and potentially get to the National Football League at some point. Uh, valuable information on how to be a pro, what it's like at the NFL level, but keeping it in an XFL style and even a few rule changes. Um, more so than the, the National Football League gang. Uh, and if they go well, they could potentially be brought to the to the NFL at some point as well. So looking forward to that. You know, one thing I really liked about the XFL last iteration of it uh, was that, frankly, they had the uh, replay ref mic'd up. 
So the replay ref would constantly come in and you could hear what they were looking at and seeing, which I thought was really important to the process of understanding replay. I also really love the fact, obviously, look, I'm never going to hide the fact that we're broadcasting XFL games. So I think that's significant for ESPN. But I also like the fact that on Sundays, you know, ABC, ESPN are going to be carrying games. So it makes it really easy to get into that habit of knowing that Sunday the XFL is on. Like, I just think we're such habit viewers in general in life. I like continuity. I like like an easy standard for everybody. So even as simple as knowing that every Sunday night there is a game that you will be able to watch on ESPN or ESPN2 makes it much easier to sort of find the games, find the action. And the only other thing I'd say, Harry, about that is that, you know, when the numbers come out, everybody will talk about the ratings and what it compar- how it compares I'm to the I'm excited NFL. for it. I'm like, excited. I, I think that this thing has a real chance to, to really latch on with people. And compared to what else you would be watching on a Saturday or Sunday, it has a chance to do really well. What do you think – because you know how crazy I can be, right? And how outgoing I am. And I'm able to be a field analyst. And I'm going to be able to, you know, a guy scores a touchdown, go over there and ask some questions and talk to him. What's the craziest thing that you think I would ask somebody? Or do you think I would ask some, somebody something what off the What the hell were you doing there? Like, I need I need that from a, uh, oh, oh, man, are you going to work grapefruits? You want to know what? You are you going to work I'm, grapefruits into the broadcast? You want to know what I'm really waiting on? I'm waiting on a receiver to make a big play, like jumping over DB's head and climbing, going and climbing a ladder and catching the ball over him. How I'm going to word that? Uh, to to make the D- DB feel some type of way because you know us fellow wide receivers we have to stick together. Mm-hmm. The yeah. uh, inherent bias that's happening here, uh, but but you're not wrong by the way. I think what what you can bring to the field uh, analyst portion of this is so interesting because you'll be able to hear the conversations and see what's going on on the sideline as it happens, which is. Uh, really incredible. Also yesterday, I don't know if you saw this, but the Arena Football League announced they're coming back. I was an Arena Football League season ticket holder back for the Nashville Cats. Like, I am a longtime Arena Football League fanatic. I'm just telling you right now, if there's an arena team that moves to Hartford, can like because they haven't told us where the cities are going to be. They've just told us they're returning. If Hartford gets an Arena Football League team, I am going to actually buy with my own money season tickets. Like, I'm going to spend my cash on that. Like, this just speaks to what we love. Like, more football is always better football. So my wife loved the arena football. She used to cheer for the Georgia Force back in the day, and she said uh, she used to cheer for the Falcons and also cheer for the Hawks. She said her favorite team to cheer for, though, was the Georgia Force in arena football. She she enjoyed that more more so than any of them. Oh, wow, that's kind of crazy. I'll be honest. Uh, I hit uh, I hit Jay Gruden up today because you know, like Jay and I met years ago. Uh, we we've kept a friendship over the years. Yeah, Jay and I buddies. Man. And uh, yeah, well, Jay loves country too, music. Jay, Jay and I were hanging out on the on the bus a couple of times after some country music shows, and I hit him up, and I was like, "Hey, man, because you what know, were, he was, what were y'all drinking? Uh, well, I, I wasn't drinking. Jay, Jay was having a beer. You know, I, I, me, I'm, I'm oh, okay. An, okay. An angel like me doesn't oh, drink. Come on. Uh, but I I, I hit him up, and you know, I was like, "Hey, man, this is a real hail mary." But I don't know if you have any of them cats jerseys left because back in the day, I used to have a Nashville cats jersey sitting around. I was like, <laughs> "Man, I don't know if you have any of them cats jerseys." I love to get one signed on my wall if you want to say because I got a Raiders jersey signed by John. I could put it next to a Cats jersey signed by Jay. He hit me back. He doesn't have a jersey. What is what is Jay doing now? Uh, he's a consultant for the Rams. So look, oh, at, look at that. I didn't know that. He's out there like just consulting. That's what coaches do, right? Like coaches just uh, well, that's suddenly a new become, thing now. Okay. You, you see Alabama, they have about twenty of them on their staff uh, every year. I mean, why not? Like <laughs> that, 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 that's that's that, that potentially become coordinators and head coaches at some point. All right. Speaking of coaches. One team we're not talking enough about hit a home run with what I think is clearly the best coaching hire of this offseason. We'll tell you about that next. Fitz and Harry, the podcast.
Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, I'm Jason Fitz. About to have a little bit of fun. Our wolf pack is about to grow by one, as I like to say all the time. But you know, Harry, one of the worst things for me about being a lifelong diehard Raiders fan is that I feel like every time there's some great documentary or 30 for 30, it reminds me of a painful loss in my life, right? It reminds me of one of the times I sat there and weeped while the Raiders lost a game. There's a new one of those. It's called Bullies of Baltimore. It's the next 30 for 30 about the 2000 Ravens. Starts on February 5th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern, which just makes me remember a 96-yard touchdown pass to Shannon Sharp at which point I knew the game was over. I, I don't know why I knew the game was over. It's just 16-3. to I don't even have to look the score up. I remember that playoff loss like it was yesterday. So now let's talk to somebody who knows that team better than anybody while I get through my feelings. Rod Woodson, Pro Football Hall of Famer, head coach of the XFL Vegas Vipers, my hometown. I cannot wait for that. Rod, we appreciate your time. What do you remember about that defense and what made it stand out? Oh, man, you know, what I, what I remember is that we've had so many different personalities on the defense, uh, but it didn't start all in 2000, right? It started in 98. We got a little bit better in 99. We added some pieces of Shannon and, and Sam Adams uh, in that year, and then we go to 2000 year. What I loved about the team, though, is that we had so many different personalities, um, but we all came together for one common goal. Uh, we never splintered as the game was going on, as the season was going on, when our offense was struggling. And we just told ourselves on defense, hey, if they don't score, it's a tie game. Well, you played on some great defenses in <laughs> Pittsburgh, too. And, and I got to ask you, playing in you know, Baltimore and also playing in Pittsburgh for a long period of time, what was the best defense that you played on? Well, statistically, it was the one in Baltimore. Uh, but we just did it for a really long time in Pittsburgh, right? So, you know, we were a top five defense, you know, five years running uh, after Bill Collie got there. Um, you know, so we were, we were, we were definitely there. Uh, we just didn't have the same, you know, the, the same outcomes that we had when I was in Baltimore. Baltimore, we had four shutouts, and we had another, what, three games that we only gave up one score. I mean, it's – um, we played lights out. I mean, and the, and the way we kind of came together with, you know, Sam Adams and, and uh, Tony Saragusa and Peter Boulware and Michael McCray and Rob Burnett up front and, and then the linebackers and, you know, Ray Lewis, Hall of Famer, obviously, uh, Jamie Sharper and Peter Boulware. You know, we had, we, we, I think we, just, we were so stacked on from the front end to the middle of the field to the back end. And we had leadership across the board. I think that's what really made it special, and that's what made it fun because we knew we didn't have to, you know, overstep our boundaries in a sense because we knew as a secondary, ain't nobody running the ball against our big guys. So you you so played play for Dick LeBeau too, right? We would have sat back and played. I played with Dick, yes. Okay, because I, I wanted to ask you a question about him because I, I I had him in Tennessee my last few years. He was our defensive coordinator, even though I play offense. He's one of my favorite coaches, that, and he didn't even coach me. Uh, how, how was Coach LeBeau yeah. there with you in Pittsburgh, man, and how did he help your career? Man, Dick is awesome, man. Dick is my dude, right? So um, what I love about Dick, you know, I was five years into it when Dick got there uh, with, with Dom Capers and, uh, and Bill Collar. Um, but one thing that Dick, was like he he allowed all his players to be to be themselves inside of the system, right? As long as you don't go too rogue or go cowboy, right? Uh, 
and Dick was the same way. Dick was a great player, and he let us know how great he was. But he was a great <laughs> player. But then he also, what I love about Dick is that Dick has a tremendous memory. Like, he can recite poetry. He can recite books. He can sing songs. I mean, the guy is so talented. Uh, but one of the coolest coaches, I mean, I, 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 I Tony Dungy, Dick LeBeau, I mean, and I, I hate, you know, Bill Cower. I had some really cool guys, but Dick LeBeau, man, that was, he's probably the coolest coach who's accomplished so much as a player and as a coach than anybody else in the league. But he's mm-hmm. so humble, so, man, he, he, he's so likable. And that's what made him so great, man. I, I, mean, I love Dick LeBeau. Uh, I talked to him a, uh, last week. And just I, I love everything about the man. And I love his favorite saying. There's times that we'll sit, at a, sit, sit down at breakfast and we'll be eating. He'll say, you know, Harry, sometimes you get the bear. Sometimes the bear gets yep. you. <laughs> that's right. Some, that's right. That's one of his sayings. We're talking about and, and, and that's what it, But that's, that's what he showed us, right? He told us that, yeah, you're going to get beat. But as long as you get yours, you're good. That's right. We're talking pro football Hall of Famer Rod Woodson. Also, Rod, head coach of the XFL's Vegas Vipers, my hometown, where I'm originally from. Very excited for this. What do you think is going to make the XFL stand out for anybody that uh, that hasn't watched or isn't aware of it coming back? Well, I, I think, um, you know, having a, a theater league is really much needed. Uh, a lot of these players that, you know, we have on our roster, it's, I, I could say quite a few of them, they should be in an NFL camp. Um, guys are extremely talented, but they're going to be able to show their wares. They're going to be able to put some uh, some good tape out there for 32 teams. And we got to hope that uh, their dream, their ultimate dream, is to play in the National Football League, that we can help make that dream come true. I mean, that's one of our goals. But then uh, one of our other goals is to, you know, really help the young men become better men. Because I know if we can if we can make them mature individuals outside of football, then we're going to have mature players in football. And I like mature players in sports because they normally play at a higher level than the immature guys do. And I got to ask you, how important is it for you know the XFL to have so many people in front office spaces, um, in the coaching ranks, and also players? that have done it and had success at a high level in the National Football League as, as this league is trying to, you know, find its mark and be a staple uh, when, when, you know, the NFL isn't going on? Yeah, I mean, you know, the good thing about that is that you, you bring in experience. And, and they have experience from all different, you know, teams and, 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 and from front office to personnel to, to coaches – and they all get to collaborate to make it a finished product. And that's what's been pretty fun. It's been great to see how everybody's been working together to make this thing work, uh, to, to build it out. Uh, I, I think it's going to be, we're going to have a great year. And hopefully our individual team will have a great year. Well, I'm obviously rooting for the Vegas Vipers to have a great year because that's my hometown. So, Rod, we appreciate you hanging out with us. Hope you have a killer year. I hope it was absolutely amazing. Thanks for your time. Thanks for a little insight into that Baltimore defense. Appreciate you. When the Vipers uh, win it all in the XFL, come back on, hang out with us, and just remember your boy when you're sending out some championship gear. I'm just saying, I'm shilling for gear here, Rod. (laughs) 
I got you. All right. We appreciate your time. Thanks for hanging out with us. Rob Woodson, Pro Football Hall of Famer, head coach of the XFL's Vegas Vipers. I don't know. He just said he's got me, Harry. So, like, I feel Listen, like he, now he's, I'm a head-to-toe. He's head a cool to toe. dude. Like, yeah. I, I, I talked to him at a clinic, coaching clinic, uh, a while ago and talked to him the other day. We exchanged numbers. Man, I'm going to use him as, as one of my resources when it comes to the XFL as well. Here's what I think is interesting about everything he just said. He said feeder league for players trying to get in. I think there's also a real opportunity for coaches, for players that want to really get their footing as head coaches, instead of having to work your way up the normal way. This is a way to go out and get head coaching experience right now in the XFL in a way that the rest of the NFL is going to be watching. I think it's really interesting to see what that does for coaching development for a bunch of former players that are there as a voice for these guys trying to get back in the league, but also for former players that want to have their opportunity to truly shine in what they're doing. Rob Woodson, by the way, go ahead. Well, also, I do want to give a major shout out to um, Casey Amerman because she does a great job. Vic Morin, he does a great job. Steve Eccles, Ed Placey, Dean Blandino, all these guys involved within the XFL. So I just want to give them a shout out because they're really, you know, putting a lot of uh, time and effort into this so it can be be as successful as, as successful as possible. Excuse me. Yeah, there's a bunch of people behind the scenes working their tails off right now to get the XFL ready. And uh, we're going to talk a lot about it on the show once we hit the end of the Super Bowl because Harry and I are both uh, involved in different broadcast opportunities around the XFL for ESPN. So I promise you we will find ways to make you want to watch every second. Don't forget to watch the Bullies of Baltimore the next 30 for 30 about the 2000 Ravens. That debuts February 5th. 5th at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. You can also watch it, of course, in the ESPN app. If you've never gone out there, the entire 30 for 30 library is hanging out waiting for you to consume it. It's a great way to binge watch over the weekend. In the meantime, I know we've got a lot of NFL to get to, and we will, but after last night and what we saw in the NBA, there's a real question happening about is it championship or bust for one team I never thought we'd be talking about in that way. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 